to today's lesson, a Nick Cave podcast. I'm Andrew. And I'm Sean. And uh, today we will be talking with you about, um, I don't know if it's the centerpiece of this album, but you know, one of the major, major songs of Nick Cave's career, St. Huck. Uh, and later we're going to go on to Wings Off Flies. Sean, how are you doing? I'm doing I'm doing pretty well. I've um you know, got my fluids in front of me as I always do. Missing coffee, it's a little late for that, but uh otherwise feeling fantastic and ready to talk about not what I call the centerpiece album, centerpiece of the album, but uh the crown jewel of the album, I think. That's how I'd put it. Mm. Andrew I would go I would I would go centerpiece. Well, it's it's the crown jewel and uh I think I'm gonna stick with that, so Interesting. Um, well, we can talk about that after the show. Um, we don't have to. <laughs> this is indeed today's lesson after dark. We usually record on the weekends during the day, um, but sun's going down. We got some beverages, um, so anything could happen. That's right. Anything goes. No rules this episode. That's right. Uh, speaking of no rules, Sean, I wanted to try out a new character I've been working on. Oh, no. Wonderful. This is quite the treat, listeners. Okay. Let me center myself. Okay. You, um, you're you going to be yourself, Sean Baker. Okay. What's my motivation? Um, you, you co-host a Nick Cave podcast, and I'm going to be um, a listener. Okay. I can get there. I can get there. Let's do okay. it. Hey, uh, hey, Sean. Hey, listener. Hey, it's me. Uh, shit. Uh, it's me, Mike. Michael. Oh, Mike. Is it Mike or Michael? Do you want me to call you Mike or Michael? Listener. Michaelson Johnson, a listener, uh, potential listener to this podcast. You haven't listened to any episodes yet. No, I haven't. Actually, that's what I, I was meaning to talk to you about. That I've never listened to Nick Cave before. Oh, oh my God! Well, this this is perfect for you. How? Wh- why are you here? Well, I, I, you know, I've heard of Nick Cave, but I've never listened to Nick Cave. And is this the kind of show that would work for me? You know, this show appeals to both the diehard and the absolutely green Nick Cave fans of the world. And I say that because everyone in the world is a Nick Cave fan, whether they know it or not. So yes, this podcast is certainly for you, Michael. Sin, Mike, Mike, and scene. Sean, that was a test, and you passed. <laughs> oh yes! With oh my flying god! Flying colors. Thank you, thank you for this opportunity. 
I brought opportunity. that character. <laughs> I brought that character out of the the chest, the closet, the the bin to highlight the fact that you don't really need to know about Nick Cave um, to enjoy this show as long as you're willing to listen along, um, follow along. You know, we we want to do this for the the longtime listener, and we want to do it for someone that wants to to find their way into Nick Cave. So, you know, we're happy to have you. I'm sorry that this sketch, uh, which was a, a huge hit, I'm looking at the numbers right now. Um, I'm sorry that it took us several episodes to uh, address this, but yeah, we we yeah we we recommend listening to this podcast uh, regardless of your your uh, prior investment in in the caveman. And I will say I've been encouraging most of the people I know know me as a Nick Cave fan and have no idea who Nick Cave is. And so I've been very much encouraging them to listen along. We tell you exactly what to listen to. There's no thought involved. And then you get to sit here and discuss with us something that we are super passionate about. And you get to expose yourself for the first time to Nick Cave. And so I would say this podcast might even be mostly for the new listener. Um, I would go that far. We are happy you're here. If you're here. Absolutely. If you're not, please, please start listening. Additionally, we will be tackling the final song uh, of this album next episode. So if you have any responses uh, about the album in general, about individual songs, send them in, Twitter, email, uh, ransom note, however you want to get them to us. You know, we'll look at it, we'll address it, and read it on air if we like it enough. That's right. That's right, and I will be very impressed if you find my phone number and text you me your question. <laughs> That's the That's ultimate a challenge. That's the ultimate challenge. That's the Sean Baker guarantee. <laughs> you will get on the show. Sean, let's get into it. Let's get into St. Huck. Oh, God. I'm so excited. This song, this song thrills me. I'll just come right out and say it. This is, as I was saying, clearly the crown jewel of the album. Um, and is, as as the centerpiece of the album, I think we both really want to highlight its importance. Um, and and I I feel like we've probably talked about this um, off air, but I I think we're probably in agreement that this is our favorite track from the album. Yeah, no, I think uh, things flux below it, but I don't think this one has ever fallen out of the top spot. Um, regardless of how many times I've listened through or or when I did my listening, um, yeah, it's it's the longest song uh, on the album, one of his longest songs in general, um, and this one is written words and music by Nick Cave, uh, according to the sources I was able to find. That's right, and as the longest song on the album, it is intrinsically the most valuable. That's what I look for in a song, um, like a so good centerpiece. Like the best of crown jewels, it is large and in charge, very front and center, uh, right there in the crown, the most valuable always, thing on the album because it's so big. You've always said that about crown jewels, that they're large and in charge. <laughs> Long time it's, uh, playing with you. I lived in England for a while, and that's how they always describe them. So <laughs> picked it up over there. Um, yes, this is this is Nick Cave's baby. It is. Uh, you know, plays with the themes of the album. It is it is wholly the attitude, the darkness of the album. Um, 
it is a, a twisted fairy tale. It takes a common uh, common story, a known known character in American literature, Huck Finn, and twists it and uses it as you know this this dark parable. And we watch the descent um, of this character from from innocence to his ultimate fate in the city. Uh, it's everything that I love about Nick Cave. Andrew, why do you like this song so much? Well, musically and lyrically, I think it, it really um, stands out. Uh, it's long and complicated. It's, it's, it's not unlike, you know, a progressive rock song, which, which tend to be longer, tend to have um, lots of twists and turns. This one doesn't change, yeah. as we'll get into musically, all that much like a progressive rock song would. But it's, it's there's several songs like this over the course of his career that are, you know, lengthy it's a journey um perhaps you know especially in this one borrows a lot of literary elements and uh illusions and uh yeah i just it 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 really it really takes you places and as you know people like us we've moved you know from smaller towns to the city and and you know there's a certain element of this kind of material that we can kind of identify with in our own way and we are we are on exactly the same page there that was what i came to as to why of all the things on this album between you know avalanche and cabin fever and all these crazy crazy stories why this one hits home so much i think is because it's the city it's it's a tale about you know what it's like to live in a metropolis and what that can do to people um and we can't we can't overstate the fact that we've never killed our wives nor have we been on a a pirate ship (laughs) of any kind so this one this one really does speak a little bit more to us in that it regard. does i've i've never been in have you been in a, in an avalanche oh yeah it's several avalanches for sure <laughs> i um, knew you had I, but... yeah that, I, okay other than that one yeah let's get into the lyrics um you want to start us off here yeah dude let's uh, it's born of the river born of it's ever changing never change in murky water and i want to stop here immediately because <laughs> the first you know 100 times i listened to this song um the lyric born of its ever changing never changing murky water i heard it and i still hear it as born of its ever changing ever changing murky water but i love the turn ever never um we start right off describing you know where huck is from uh laying the groundwork and this is about almost all we get of that but we know Huck Finn already, and we've you know he's an established character, and we know he's coming from the country. It's it's someone innocent. It's it's naivety, and it's coming from a place where you know life centers around the river, and the river is always flowing. But unlike the city, unlike where you know technology reigns and and things move and grow and um, change constantly, that life is pretty idyllic. That life, at least in the in the context of the parable, is never changing um as well as ever flowing and so i just this time around when i when i heard that kind of blew my mind yeah it's sort of metatextual in that way but it also yeah it sets the sets the scene sets the scene for the the mississippi river huck and uh and jim are are floating down um in addition to that we get this this um these following lines huck standing like a saint upon its deck if you want to catch a saint then bait your hook, let's take a walk. These lines are already using sort of the vernacular 
of the book, you know, it's written in, in vernacular and um, echoes Jim teaching Huck how to fish, um, except they're looking for saints, you know, Huck standing like a saint on this adventure, maybe the adventure called life, unaware of, of what's out there, innocent, you know, innocent at the beginning. Yeah. And uh, the bait, you know, I've, I've asked the question many times, why are they going to the city? And, you know, these next lines, oh, come to me, oh, come to me is what the dirty city say to Huck. Um, I think this is just meant to be the draw of the city. Are you, do you, do you get anything else there? What is, why yeah, is he going? It's, yeah, it's loaded language. It's, well, he, in a sense, we are all on the, on the Mississippi as we age, you know, you learn more about the world. Um, sometimes it's not your choice, but here I think it, it's just, yeah, this attraction of the unknown, this attraction of a place where there's lots of people, uh, a lot of culture, and um, I think it's just as simple as we're using, you know, fishing and baiting a hook, you know, stuff from the Huck Finn novel to sort of guide us towards this idea that not only are you drawn to the city, but the city is drawing you in. The city has temptations and sin and all this stuff that that it almost has the city as its own character. Well, it's by design, right? It's it's. Yeah, how we set up these things to sell and how, you know, selling in general, honestly, you know, and coming from the country, there's just not this desire to grow and sell and change and, and do all these things. And that's, yeah, the draw of the city. We get that almost immediately on the next lines after the first uh, introduction of the wailing refrain, the whoa, 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 and uh, the repeat or the repetition of Huck's name, um, almost like Nick is coughing up phlegm. Um <laughs> you know, straight into the arms of the city go huck down the beckoning streets of opportunity. And uh, that's that's the promise of urban living, right? Is that you can go and there's, if there's stuff to buy, there must be a way to buy it. And, you know, that's that's the draw here. Um, that's, that's tempting this <laughs> poor child. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Huck whistles his favorite river song, potentially at this point, either just, blind to everything that's going to happen or he is becoming uncomfortable and is whistling a tune to remind him of home you know remind him of the old days as he comes upon this mass of darkness you know mass of tall buildings and and maybe the sense of dread yeah yep yeah the next couple lines are 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 fraught um, to say the least, uh, <laughs> you know, Nick Cave, regardless of where, where you land on this, you know, he, he says, he says the N word, um, and it is a reference to, uh, the novel, a novel that, uh, treats, you know, race and identity seriously, even though it's satirical, um, I think makes some good points about it and is why the book is often maligned. Um, for using this language because it was written by a white man and and in turn you know a white man is singing this line and a a bad blind word at the piano uh, puts a sinister blue lilt into that sing-along this is an overt reference to the novel that said far be it from me to say that if, if you have a problem with this with Nick Cave saying you know this word like that's totally valid as well I think you need to come at it from both sides and just look at the literary illusion 
that he he is drawing from, but also acknowledge the fact that he, you know, he didn't really need to say it. I think if it makes you uncomfortable, that's completely valid, and we uh, we care about that uh, here on our podcast. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I don't know if you have anything else um, to say about that, but those are just kind no. of my my feelings. Yeah, I, I don't think Nick himself would have much to say about it. Um, he's addressed this in the Red Hand files of, you know, writing lyrics or, or making art that you would later look back on in shame or regret or, you know, have done something that um, might be shown in a different light years later. And it's it's an attitude of acceptance. It's an attitude of, yes, that's something I did. No, I'm not going to redact it. I'm not going to cover it up. But at the same time, feel feel as you will about it. Feel as you need to about it. And, you know, as we said, we care about it on this podcast and, and all feelings are valid. And so, yeah, that's, yep. I think, aligned there. Yep. 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 Um, at any rate, the song that, that Huck has been singing um, has now, having entered the city, has a sinister kind of lilting to it. A blue lilt, you know be blue as in sad could be blue as in uh you know uh, scummy uh, sleazy uh huck senses something's wrong sean he does he knows that <laughs> something's going on here and uh our little ulysses he turns to putty uh in this turn of phrase i take as putty being both dread you know you turn to putty when you're in an immense amount of fear but Putty is also incredibly malleable. And so at this moment when he knows that, you know, things are going to go south and maybe he's in the wrong place, uh, turning to Putty is both an expression of his, you know, his his deep fear that he has in that moment, but also it begins to change him in that the city now has its grasp and the city can, you know, form him into what he needs to be or what it wants him to be um, to survive whatever it is that's coming. Yeah. It's a... It's an allusion to, you know, Ulysses, an allusion to Odysseus, you know, sirens wail in the city. You know, immediately we think of it as, you know, police sirens, you know, ambulance, whatever. It's the idea of the siren, um, you know, drawing you in, pulling you in, turns a, a cruise of men in, in the literature we've mentioned into into putty in their hands. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I have to say... I uh, have a lot of sirens going on outside. I don't know if you can hear that, but I live right next to a hospital, so that's constant for me. I turned into putty a long time ago. <laughs> you, you've been putty for a long time. <laughs> and this is actually, again, um, we've we've spoken about this before, but Nick is a huge Power Rangers fan. And <laughs> oh, uh, this is, this is oh, another no. throwback. <laughs> you know, three times as science, we're at two right now. I, it seems it's unreliable coming. at this point that it's going to come up. Yeah, no, it is coming. And so just I also want to throw that out there. He's mixing he's mixing all sorts of references here, but that is probably the the one that's most upfront, large and in charge. Um, he on the red hand files, he has explicitly said this is a Power Rangers reference. He <laughs> multiple times, even when he's not asked about it. Yeah, he'll just respond to to a, a question unrelated to it and just start going off about Tommy. You know, the, the evolution of the Green Ranger into the White Ranger really mirrors this this loss of innocence. Yeah, absolutely. There was a song on Carnage recently, actually, about the, the fall of Tommy. And that's it's rough to listen to, being wow. such a fan myself. <laughs> but, um, no, I think uh, 
Old Man River certainly got a bone to pick up with us after that. Um, okay. No, no, no. <laughs> no. No, no, no. 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 Um. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. No, no, no. I can't. <laughs> um. The fall of the podcast. <laughs> it's unraveled. Old Man River's got a bone to pick. You know, another, you know, illusion following that up. Um, just this other sort of patron of the hero's journey, the 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 river, the track along which we are moving. Old, old Man River's got a bone to pick. Our boys hardly got a bone to suck. Not a lot of, uh, not the bounty of, of food, perhaps. You know, you have to earn it here. Um, yeah. You can't just always work for, for what you want under sort of a capitalist system. You know, you need to... Sometimes you need to suck a bone to no. No, I think I, I think that's valid. <laughs> you know, it's one of the ways to make money in the city. Um, yeah, but it, it it's loaded language, as true. well as you can't just go in and eat. You you don't have your parents uh, to cook for. You don't have people to cook for you. You don't get to steal from a garden. You know, you have to earn your keep. Yep, and I th- I think it highlights that this character that Huck has come to the city with with nothing. <laughs> He is incredibly mm-hmm. ill-prepared in that he's, you know, immediately senses something wrong and is immediately hungry because the opportunity hasn't just, you know, shown itself to him uh, right out the gate. Yeah, exactly. That's a great point. Yeah. Uh, shows up with nothing. You know, you haven't been in the city yet, so how could you be prepared to deal with it? Yeah. From the country. Why would I need to bring, why would I need to bring anything? <laughs> there's, yeah. there's so much opportunity. There's so much stuff everywhere. Um, but as you said, in a capitalist system, entirely inaccessible unless you have uh, played the game for some time. Yeah. Uh, hey, Huck, what's your uh, social? Oh, you don't have. Sorry. <laughs> oh, do you not have an ID? Oh, well, okay. No, you can't. You can't do anything, actually. Um, the moon, its huge cycloptic eye. You know, perhaps some some Odyssey reference there as well. I like it. Yeah, I'll allow it. I like it. I'll allow it. Uh, watches the city streets contract, twist and cripple and crack. Uh, here, obviously, Inception reference, uh, where the city <laughs> is folding in on itself, and Leonardo DiCaprio has to do dream stuff. That's right, and it, it kind of gives away the song being about a dream within a dream within a dream. I do think of that scene though when I listen to this song. <laughs> no, it's it's uh you know, it, it's got this almost like MC Escher, you know, you're you're envisioning a Dr. Seuss fucking town. It's it's folding in on itself with a vibrant sort of rhythm, uh emotion. It's always in motion, but it's folding in on itself and it's it's swallowing, you know, people that enter. That yeah, and I I like it. the a kind of double reading here where, you know, the streets are contracting. Um, and it, it, like you said, it provides that MC Escher kind of, you know, twisting and, and all over the place, but it's also, uh, the way it's written, the streets are contracting and it's twisting, crippling, and cracking, and that could be doing that to someone else. And I think that that is, you know, that, that next line is very much something that happens to people on the street in the city. Um, you're twisted, you're crippled, you're cracked by, by life there. And so, I think it. I think it works both ways, and I. Yeah. I adore that. 
Yeah, absolutely. Saint Hut goes on a dog's leg now. You know, sort of a, a reference to like taking a sharp turn. I thought he was just peeing. <laughs> he <laughs> takes a pee on a dog's leg, which is an inversion of the dog fire that... hydrant trope. Um, Are you really saying that's not the primary stuff. reading that you had of that? <laughs> it's the it's centerpiece the, of the song. It is the line that defines it. One might call it the crown jewel. Yeah, they could. Um, why you know the story, you wake up one morning and you find you're a thug. Now, this this is speaking directly to us. This isn't even, you know, it's not the parable of Huck in this moment. Um, the speaker is talking to us for now. You know, you wake up one morning and you find that you've changed, you know, whether it's it's growing and losing innocence, whether it's moving to the city. You, you wake up and you find that you have an edge. And I think that's something that happens when you're just losing your innocence or growing up and having, you know, this veil pulled away on the way the world works. Yeah, you start cracking your knuckles, you start smoking, you just, you know, time passes without you realizing. Yeah, um, cracking your knuckles in some dive, yeah, you're drinking as well, you're, you're yep. blowing smoke rings, yep. bull neck bristling, as, as, it, as one's neck does. <laughs> Constantly when I'm in dive bars. Um, I do want to walk back a little bit. The yeah. Why you know the story, I love that line because we're talking about a story that you know, is is widely known. It's Huck Finn. Mm-hmm. Um, at least in 1984, I assume it was widely known. Um, but it immediately takes a turn in that you know the story. Uh, he's the thug, and uh, it's Peter Falk and the Princess Bride closing the book <laughs> for just two seconds to talk exactly. to us, the child in the bed. We're taken away and and left with something that is wholly not something we already knew. So, yeah. Um. Still, Huck, he ventures on whistling, you know, uh, trying to, to maintain that innocence, that youth, uh, the memories, perhaps, of, of what it was like before. Sean, does death reckon that Huckleberry's time is up? Death reckons Huckleberry's time is up. Mm. And this, this is the crown jewel of the song. Um, if you say so. <laughs> um, death reckons Huckleberry's time is up. This is, I mean, I'll just give it away. It's about halfway through the song. Um, but we kind of figure that's where this is going, especially if you look at the river as, you know, the course of life from youth to age to, to death. We know that this is coming for all of us and perhaps faster for somebody in the life that Huck is now leading. But narrator comes out straight to us and just says, hey, you know, this grim figure death is, is watching all this. And uh, he's just he's just done. Huck's over and uh, gives it away part way through the song, which is uh, grim on a whole new level. Yeah, exactly. No, uh, no rising action um, leading to denouement. You know, towards the end of the the song, it's it's right in the middle. Yeah. But now we go back. We we we've seen the end almost, and now we go back. Um, in verse four, yonder go Huck, minus pocket watch and wallet gone. You know, so the city's picked him clean whatever he was able to amass he, he probably didn't come there with that but his time and money is taken up perhaps by by capitalism yeah i've, I've never noticed this before his time is up and his pocket watch is gone <laughs> yeah Dang. exactly uh yeah oh good stuff <laughs> eerie skin shrink wraps his skeleton 
no wonder he gets thinner what with his cold and skinny dinner you know you're not taking care of yourself you're going to to dives you're smoking you're doing all this stuff um and it it just that and then the sinning and the aura of the city just takes it out of you working takes it out of you yeah it it reduces you it it twists and cripples and cracks you and and Mm -hmm. huck is crippling and cracking here um there's also likely at this point in time no no real shrink wrap in the country and so that is very much a city commodity oh that's a great point (laughs) and you know that line was not taken from the original book i don't think uh samuel clemens could have even predicted the the food care that we would one day come to know it was much later that he exclaimed my god what convenience about shrink wrap <laughs> as it was invented at the end of his life. Um, this is another line that, you know, this is rife with misheard lyrics when we go to nickcave.com, and I swear to God this is wrong. Um, it says, what with his cold and skinny dinners? I hear odd and skinny dinners. Do you, I, do you hear cold? When I was listening to it for a long time, I thought it was what with his unskinny dinners. I thought the act of gluttony was keeping him grossly thin you know maybe in a (laughs) perhaps a weird spiritual uh sense but no that's completely wrong and makes no sense uh (laughs) very mc escher form of dietary you know (laughs) the mobius meal yeah it's it's quite impossible minus Um, muffins (laughs) muffins. (laughs) little phantom Uh, toll booth reference for the kids (laughs) Well, I know what I'm watching when I'm done with this. <laughs> and reading. Shit, I've got a nice shelf over here. Um, it is tight. But yes, uh, speaking of illusions, St. Huck of St. Elvis. St. Huck of St. Elvis. This, to me, you know, continuing his, his Elvis fascination, which will continue after this song. And uh, we touched to on... the modern era. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Up to, to right now in 2021 um and and obviously he covered in the ghetto this idea of elvis hits it big he's in a photo with nixon you know at the end of his career and and dies you know we don't know all the circumstances he could still be alive um according to some people (laughs) reported to have died the most glorious death available to a man yeah reported to have died in a way really not befitting uh, a hero a musician that that had so much of an impact but truly the idea of the american hero as a tragic figure you know innocent small town starts making records movies dies you know due to for all intents and purposes excess you know and it, it kind of mirrors the idea of of a saint you know becoming a sinner yeah and it begs the question what do you, what is really gained by coming to the city for these characters because this shows the branching pathways someone shows up and gets nothing brings nothing gets nothing shrinks you know starves just gets the short end of the stick in the city and no good it shows the opposite end where someone comes to the city and gets everything gets absolutely everything you know becomes yeah. the star becomes the most famous person in the world becomes all of these things and still gets fucking killed still dies in a horrific way um or taken up in a spaceship and carted off to a distant planet where he is still thriving um 
but it, it really shows that there's no winning here. And it's, you know, talking about saints, you look at the saints and they die in any number of horrible ways, but they're all trying to achieve the same goal. Um, yeah. And it's interesting. Yeah, the diversity of saints. When I when I first heard this, I was like, well, how is this anything like Elvis? But the the great diversity of the fates of saints are <laughs> are uh, multitude. It's insane how many ways those people could get tortured and die. Um, it's crazy. It's in it's madness. It's absolute nuts. madness. But uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a funny line here. It's it's a good one to to sit and ponder. Yeah. Uh, oh, you recall the song you used to sing along, shifting the river trade on that old steamer, Life is But a Dream. It's faint now, but you recall, you know, your youth and, and maybe long for it. Uh, life is but a dream, you know, so much opportunity in front of you. And now, um, but now you've traded in the mighty old man river for the dirty old man latrine. Oh, what a great <laughs> line. What a great line. I'm going to take a reach here. Uh, shifting the river trade on that old steamer that to that strikes me as a potential fecal reference the river trade being coming to the city trading the river for the city shifting around being the difficulty huck is now having with his bowel movements and the old steamer being a horribly unhealthy dump that he's taking because then it immediately goes to the old man latrine and it's filthy I'm just, I, I'm, I'm going there. I'm, I'm at a loss. There. <laughs> I'm at a loss for words, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean. That old steamer. <laughs> Cleveland I steamer. I don't, uh, Sean, I, I really don't want to. <laughs> I apparently have a lot of bowel stuff on the brain. He's pissing <laughs> on dogs. He's taking these horrendously unhealthy dumps. <laughs> I got something really weird out of this song. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but you traded in the mighty old man river for the dirty old man latrine you've left the green pastures and and the empowerment of of being a, a person of the land being a person of nature for the dirty old man latrine you know much like in the moon is in the gutter you have this pale reflection of something the dirty old man latrine feels to me like a, a subversion of you know the mighty old man river you know it's just a, a thin gross disgusting version of the mississippi uh, for yeah. for saint huck built by man to cart fecal matter back into the old man river <laughs> you know, the river's flung through the city and where do we dump it maybe huck so. just remembers it you know with rose-colored glasses because definitely was feeding into that that poor river <laughs> no matter what the river gets the shit end of the stick yeah um, the brothels shift, the hustle and the bustle and the greenbacks rustle. So this idea of the brothel as a place of ill repute, you know, that's not something that is necessarily true. You know, obviously, however you can make money, you know, in this society they've set up is good. Um, you know, there's there's obviously honor and, and no shame in, in that. But it is painted here by Nick, I think, in a in sort of a not a negative light, but a dark light. And then the hustle and the bustle and the greenbacks rustle. You know, there's just you know, money's flowing. This is uh, whether he really meant it as this or not. It is a critique of capitalism. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's um, 
That's an excellent point. I really do think he meant it that way, given his affinity for Paradise Lost, um, which is a mm. huge critique on the capitalist system that was coming into into play around the time of his writing. Um, really, the the um, the use of symbols in place of true value of commerce, in place of trade, of yeah. you know, replacing truth with with these falsehoods and. Uh, I, I can't imagine that he wasn't going for that here in that, you know, these next few lines, the way he delivers, the way he spits them out, the sexy cash and the randy cars, everything around you in the city is just designed to make you, you know, if you're going Freudian with it, make you fucking horny, you know, make you just need this shit. Uh, you're out of luck. You're out of luck. Whoa, 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 St. Huck. Well, the $2 fucks as well. Really just sort of a... a a denigration of a profession that is, you know, as valid as, as, as any other in this, as a, certainly as much as a car, a Randy car salesman, you know? Oh, <laughs> that'd be a terrible place to buy a car. Um, the way, and it's funny, the way he whispers that line after the sexy cash and Randy cars, it's, he whispers that almost as like the the fallback and that Huck can't get what he wants. And so the only thing he can afford is, you know, this, what's supposed to be, you know, human connection um, from, from somebody who's, who's hustling right there with him. All right. And so we're getting, we're getting to the literal part of the song, I think. Um, and so I'm just going to break it down as to what I think is happening here. We're, we're taking it out of the the transition, the journey. The journey here is just, it's at its end. And what I, what I believe has happened in this previous verse is that, you know, Huck, devoid of cash, has, uh, or strapped of cash, has, has opted for the $2 fuck. He's got nothing else. He needs something. Um, and what we get in verse 5 is, you know, the narrator calling to us, this is the track of deception, leads to the heart of despair, and Huck whistles like he just don't care. And, you know, Huck still has this thread of innocence through him where he's he's wandering around. He's been he's been beaten by the city. He's had all of his shit stolen. He hasn't eaten well. And since he's gotten here, um, but he's still whistling. You know, he's a thug going down to a brothel, just whistling <laughs> away because there's there's something left in him of that that river child. Um, and yet yet it's changed. And yet it's changed. Well, it's, it's twisted. It's, it's cracked. It can't help but change. You know, he's physically just beyond repair, it sounds like at this point. Um, and this is where I'm going to kind of break down the, the action that's going to happen here. But in the pocket of the jacket is a chamber. Lead pellet sleeps in there. That's a gun, obviously. And then Nick just shrieks, wake up. And that is, I, I firmly believe, Huck getting shot. Yeah. Do you yeah. agree? absolutely waking up from whatever this uh this you know we've had references to a dream so far but this is this is the end of that dream this is the end of that life he whistles and he kneels and he lays down there you know that's this is absolutely the the wake-up call the well city was too dangerous for you 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 failed um in whatever test you were being put up to yep huck's waking up the bullet wakes up the hammer falls the gun screams, wake up to the bullet. It explodes out the chamber. I think Huck drops to his knees, um, hit with this shot. And, you know, we get we get kind of a reprieve in the music. It gets a little bit quiet. And we still have that that background spine of, ba-dum, ba-dum, ba-dum. Yeah. 
very ominous, um, and a smoke ring hovers about his head. And then the rats and the dogs and the men all come and put a bullet through his eye. <laughs> and and this, to me, just drives home the absolute corruption of the city. Um, it's almost one entity. You know, it, it starts with the rats. You know, the idea of the rat king. You know, this amalgamation of all of these, this vermin and these yep. individuals that writhe together and sort of create this one entity. Yeah, and when you think of the city, it's it's rats and starving dogs and, you know, thugs just like Huck, and they're all coming together. It's this absolute corruption of man and absolute corruption of nature. Like you said, it becomes this corrupted entity that come, and there's no, there's nowhere necessarily to place the blame when it comes to something like this. And so everything just coalesces around Huck and just blows his brains out, and that's that's the end of it. That's where we knew it was going. Any one Death of those reckons. things... Yeah, any one of those things could have killed them. Yeah, and and why did they do it? They're they're subject to the city as well. They're trying you know, to survive. Can... Yeah, it's it's capitalism writ large. You know, well, and, and that's what it sounds like to me. In this is you know, Huck Huck whistles and he kneels and he lays down there. And then we get we get Nick kind of in this high pitch. See you, Huck. Good luck. I think you know the the prostitute that he was visiting shot him and then he's getting robbed and killed by whoever it was that jumped in and everyone's just trying to survive and again where do you place the blame what what is there to say more than just that this is a intense tragedy of corruption caused by this capitalist center that draws people in sucks them in and with the promise of opportunity and gives them this gives them this or yeah as in elvis's case dying on the toilet well and in who profits off of elvis's corruption well it's the record companies it's people in power and i have to say like a lot of those elements of this are absent and so it's to me it's not a complete critique of the forces of capitalism it's a critique of the results of capitalism more so yep but that's kind of what satire can lead the the road that satire can lead you down the river it can lead you down (laughs) if you'll indulge me the old man river of satire (laughs) but it's like you you know it's not just there the city's not there people built it people financed it it's you know it's a whole you know you can you can dig into that as much as you want at the end of the day someone went there and lost their life or you know elements of their core because they were giving it up um you know for this chance at success i suppose chance at yeah, something chance. beyond what you what you knew when you grew up chance at something and that's that's why i keep going back to with this song it's like why why would someone in huck's position go to the city and i know that feeling i know the feeling of giving up comfort and something that you know makes me happy for for opportunity in the unknown and you know maybe it's the wrong maybe it was the wrong fucking decision <laughs> yeah for sure i but you know it's it's at the end of the day you can even take it away from this, take it apart from this capitalist sort of reading and just look at it as growing older. Like at a certain point, you know, you can't yeah. be sheltered for the entirety of your life and you're going to learn about, you know, the the harshness of nature, you know, whether that's human nature, capitalism, which isn't necessarily human nature, obviously, but elements of humanity that are that are probably not great. Um or just the the wild, you know, just the unknown and growing, and it's um, yeah. There, there's just so much happening in this song that um, 
you know, there, there's plenty of readings uh, to be found for this. Yep, absolutely. Then, God, get this last line, the drip, drip, drip of the Mississippi crying. You know, his, his, his home, Old Man River had a bone to pick. It's, it's this anger that comes from a place of love. And we see that in this last, in this last line is that, you know, the river's weeping for him. The river's saying, why, why did you leave? It's not vindictive. It's not, you know, wishing him ill. It's not anything. The bone to pick was the bone to pick of a, a concerned parent of, you know, someone that has raised this child and watched him go off in a direction that they know is going to harm them. And here we just get, you know, the Mississippi crying. And then St. Huck, hears his own Mississippi just rolling by him. And that it's, it's the blood pouring out of his head it's the blood you know pouring out of him as he dies and the last thing he hears is this this dripping this this lifeblood leaving him um yeah you know his own river and i think that ties back to into that he couldn't fully leave the river he's been whistling up till the end he still has this thread of innocence but but the city won in the end yeah yeah absolutely and that's that's the end of the you know the the narrative of the song um yeah yeah really really rich uh very long song very grim and just sort of packed with lyrics you know there's so much yeah. here um we do want to quickly talk about the music yes this for me is is not only part of a group of nick cave songs that are longer and more narratively driven um this is one of those songs and there are several of these all through the career especially in the the early years of Nick Cave and actually kind of later in Grinderman, different bassists, you know. Um, but this is really driven by the bass, and it's this uh, repetitious bass line um, that just yeah. really drives it forward, and you just feel it unease from step one. You know, he, he opens it with Achtung, which is, you know, German for caution or beware, or however you want to translate it. Yeah. And then it's just this grim baseline well it, it to me it mirrors both at the start is more i think the rolling river it mirrors kind of a, mm. a sinister twist on the the rolling nature of a river mm-hmm. and then towards the end especially you know in the last moments of his life when we're, we're talking about his mississippi rolling out of him and it mirrors uh an arrhythmic heartbeat it's it's that thumping yeah. you hear you know late at night when you wake up in a cold sweat or you're lost in the city and you can feel eyes on you in every darkened alley <laughs> um it's that is that heartbeat of terror and it just it it's throughout this song it it <laughs> keeps us in huck's head it feels like to me um it's suffocating yeah. it's oppressive and yeah that bass line just carries this and then it honestly the the only other thing i want to say about the music is you know there are audio cues throughout like when he talks about you cracking your knuckles he cracks his knuckles into the <laughs> mic or they imitate so it good. <laughs> There's sort of a, a whistling cadence and sound to now I can't even place what the instrument is, but at every turn that they really highlight sort of this imagery, I feel like the music really does shift to imitate it. And it's yep. been a theme through this album. And, you know, I got to say it's it's rarely as strong as it is on this album, but the partnership of the, the musicians um, you know, Cave included, but but everybody involved, really using the lyrics and playing with the lyrics to shape the music, that can be 
extremely rare in music. Um, and it's just yeah. so strong in this song. Well, and I think, I mean, I attribute that generally to Blixa. It's, it's that mm -hmm. grinding. It's that, you know, you're hearing things that these instruments aren't meant to do. And it just, it tells the story. It's, it's part of what just keeps it right where it is. And like you said, in addition to the lyrics, it, it's as important, um, throughout and especially on this song especially on this album um that grinding that clanking that you know it, it sounds like a metal sheet warbling <laughs> at times um it just it paints it paints everything you're supposed to see about this city and the way it twists everything inside of it yeah absolutely i also last thing for me this is a way <laughs> better tale about the city than uh the saccharine PSA of in the ghetto. And it's, it's funny that this comes after that on the more modern releases. <laughs> I, um, Cause it feels like almost the same story. I didn't even think about that. Wow. Yeah. No, it's just, it's almost like they put it on the CD just to be like, Hey, here you go. Oh wait, actually, <laughs> actually here's the city. Yeah, totally. Well, and I mean, they yeah. can go hand in hand, you know? Um, but yeah, I, I definitely, that is an interesting uh you know foil to highlight no um we'll be right back uh with wings off flies the next song from from her to eternity oh yeah and we're back sean wings off flies the next uh track on this album was written by nick cave and someone named peter sutcliffe hmm that name is uh, not ringing a bell. Is he? Is he one of the bad seeds? Uh, he is not. This is the name of the Yorkshire Ripper, um, in allusion to Jack the Ripper, who was a serial killer in England, <laughs> um, and was found guilty of murdering thirteen women and attempting to murder seven others between nineteen seventy five and nineteen eighty. What? Yeah, so, I mean, my my gut reaction, because I hadn't heard of this until, oh, three minutes before we recorded this, is that this is just a, a referential <laughs> credit being used to sort of, you know, color the lyrics that are to follow. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't even know. But, oh, well... I, it fits my narrative, so I'm going to roll with it. Ooh, that's all we can do is roll with it. Um, Jesus Christ. So the lyrics were, were written by Nick Cave, probably on his own. Um, but there's that weird referential credit in there. And then the music was written by Cave and J.G. Thurlwell, who is only credited for, credited for one Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds song, and that is probably because he had creative differences with the band and left um, during the creation of this first album. R.I.P. R.I.P. Love you, JG, but... You didn't cut it. Didn't cut it. Not bad enough. <laughs> Not seedy enough. Um, Sean, why don't you start us off with this one? Well, we start with the... Uh... The act of, of plucking, the titular action, uh, the wings off of flies, and uh, he's doing it in a style, wherever this character might be, um, as you would with flowers. 
saying she loves me, she loves me not. She loves me, she loves me not. And that um, that in itself, you know, Nick Cave gets lumped in with with you know sort of the goth scene, and and for good reason, I'm sure he 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 was mixing in with a lot of those people. Um, but this is about the most you know typically goth sort of vibe we've gotten from him so far other than maybe stuff in from her to eternity very much so you know flowers jesus so passe we're gonna be plucking wings off of flies here um very goth stuff i will say though it's much less interesting flowers might have a random number of petals um right from the start just notice wing flies always have two wings and so uh something that colors from the very first verse to me is that there's no mystery here that she loves him not you know there's no way for that to change you're always going to end up on the the same wing you know he knows what he's doing so well spent seven days and seven nights trying to get sunk in this brine uh we start off with a little bit of biblical imagery i believe Mm -hmm. vaguely religious Mm -hmm. uh seven days seven nights trying to i think create a world for himself uh, via alcoholism, which may or may not be working, whatever it is, you know, he's trying to sink and hide from here because mm-hmm. uh, he's trying to get sunk in the brine, not yet sunk. And so listening to the song, uh, you hear, don't turn on your water wings because it got me a set of waterworks, right? And uh, that to me makes no sense. And so if you go to nickcave.com and look at the lyrics, again, I just I feel like these are wrong, but uh, it's don't turn on your waterworks because I got me a set of water wings, right? And Which, that makes sense because it says, you know, don't don't try and drown me because I've got floaties. Whereas, got whereas the way floaties. the song actually sings, I, I don't know what that means. Andrew, do you have any insight? I think he just messed it up and thought it was so good. That you just kept it. That's all I can think of, because the way it's written here is the only way it makes sense. Yeah, don't don't cry for me. I'm immune to your to your sorrow. I, I'm mu- I'm immune to your pity. Uh, it's more like it. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I think he probably did that just to fuck with us. Honestly, twenty yeah, some twenty five years later. Could be. Yeah. Wait, no, 30. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, no, no, move on, move on. 30. Can't, uh, don't do it. Um, We're done. We're done. Suicide against the window. And my heart goes out to those little flies. There's a buzzing in my ear, but it's more of her blackmail, ham, Shakespeare, and lies. So, you know, what we're seeing here is this, you know, he's been plucking wings off flies. And now, you know, he's seeing the ones with the gift of flight crashing themselves against the window maybe in some sick way he's plucking wings off them so that they don't you know throw themselves against the window don't have hope Mm. um one possible interpretation i guess um yeah talk about this buzzing in his ear the buzzing in his ear i think goes back to something we talked about in from her to eternity is this nagging presence around him and you know in that case it's a woman i think here it's a woman too it's this you know constant irritation um because we get immediately after that it's more of a blackmail um ham shakespeare plus lies you know it's it's posturing and it's falsehoods and it's it's all this crap that's being said to him and uh it's at this point that the flies clearly become more than 
more than flies. He's doing this um, not necessarily, as we said, to to figure out if somebody loves him or not. It's not you know the ritual of plucking petals. Um, it's more the the general sense of when you say someone's plucking wings off flies, it's it's simply to be cruel because he feels that there's this you know whatever the flies represent to him is actively at the very least irritating him. Um, and this is where to me it, it becomes a very very dark tale and and the speaker becomes both uh unreliable and somewhat reprehensible yeah just the idea of of coloring this thing that a loved one would say to you in this this way i mean to me you know much like in the previous examples of this to me you immediately should be questioning this this person slandering this loved one and what they're saying um you know, there's there's sort of a a posturing in his own, um, you know, evoking Shakespeare to to uh, to indict her for this posturing of her own. You know, it, it's it's just very we, we're how many songs in, and we know that these narrators are generally <laughs> a shitty to women and b completely unreliable, absolute freak shows, absolute freak shows. Um, he goes back to plucking, you know, and then verse two, this is, this is to me the most interesting part of the song. This song is, is fairly straight ahead, but, um, it's amusing to me. Lord, I've discovered the recipe of heaven, get solitude mixed with sanctuary and silence, then bake it. And, uh, it's, it's just funny, the twist here, because I feel like sanctuary, solitude, silence, these are all things that are typically associated with a godly life. Uh, yeah. these are things that I think of when I think of, you know, monks living a life of solitude, living a life of silence, taking a vow of silence in the sanctuary. Um, but then the baking it, <laughs> especially followed by, you know, the line, a uh, couple down, uh, you make it all hot and it's, it's clearly a reference to this hell that he's created for himself and that, you know, whatever he's done to silence these flies, whatever he's doing right now to find this this silence that he's seeking, um, the only real way to get where he's going is to is to then bake it and you know venture into hell. It becomes it, it at least becomes hell in the end. Yeah, I've got the recipe for heaven. Um, it's hell. <laughs> exactly. NBD. Exactly. Um, you know, listen, I plead guilty to misanthropy. I feel this line. Um, so hang me. I'd appreciate it. Uh, this, this guy clearly doesn't, he's a nihilist. I mean, this line, the way it's delivered, um, the way it's written, there's, there's very little passion here. It's just kind of a throwaway, but he's saying, fucking kill me. I don't give a shit. I'd, I'd, you know, at most thank you for it. Um, Immediately back to the object of his ire, witness her gate crash my tiny hell with some obscene tete-a-tete. Um, again, right back to the fact that these flies are not flies to him. They're whatever is trying to invade his silence and sanctuary. And uh, a direct reference to the hell that he's created. And this this loathing of his whoever this is, this this woman that would come in and immediately try and engage him in conversation in some way with some obscene um obscene prompt that you know tears him away from the hell that he's created for himself this this squaring off this game this war yeah. 
um, that he feels is being waged against him uh, by his his lover. Yeah. Um, if you want to talk to me about love and pain, consult my ulcer. I'd be happy to cooperate. <laughs> feels a little Rodney Dangerfield. You know, feels, feels like stand-up <laughs> comedian kind of complaining about his wife, whatever. Dude, as as Rodney Dangerfield once said, even in hell I get no respect. <laughs> it's, it's exactly. Exactly. Um, wings off flies. She loves me. She loves me not. You know, repetition. You know, the plucking, the, the sort of... of spiral he's in hey joe another ought to do the job um another what you know it's not explained we'll comment on this a little later um i did want to highlight the idea of a joe later not too far from where we are in his career he does cover the song hey joe um famously Jimi hendrix song yep um covered by so many artists um that song is about a man uh, murdering his wife for adultery, which, you know, feels pretty in line with what we've heard um, from Nick Cave so far. And just the fact that it just kind of slips out here, it may be completely unintentional, but to me it feels loaded based on the fact that a lot of these songs honestly are about um, these unreliable narrators, you know, doing horrible things. Yeah. And and I will say that you know Joe is a character that we'll see throughout the albums, um, you know, from uh, Henry's Dream to Knocking yeah. on Joe to um, you know his covers, his various covers. But I the Hey Joe, Joe Lazarus Joe, yeah, this early on that Hey Joe reference I think is is pretty clear in what it's what it's referring to. That's an excellent point. Yeah. Um... Time to drown our little fire. You can keep the ashes. Now, bye, 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 bye. See you in a pig's eye. Uh, again, a, a great reference to InSync here. <laughs> oh, my God. This is one. This is the line I perhaps incorporate the most into my everyday life from Nick Cave. Because um, I am also a huge InSync fan. But, uh, yeah. Baby, bye, bye, what's bye. Your favorite, what's your favorite member of InSync? uh probably donatello i think uh the fact that he uses a bow staff makes what me is it with you and power rangers the most excited <laughs> time to drown our little fire uh you can keep the ashes uh clearly a reference he's smoking uh this this i think sets it in a bar he's talking to a barkeep um you can keep the ashes he's putting a cigarette out now bye 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 see you in a pig's eye i will be one in need of no one, in this my deepest dive, and he he comes right back around, and this to me is the most relatable part of the song. Filler up, Joe. I've been in a number of bars where it's like, all right, I'm going home. You can keep the ashes. We're fine. All right, give me one more, and uh, you know he's obliged. Yeah, and deepest dive, deepest dive reference to to you know his descent and also you know dive bar. Yeah, no, oh. kind of like a dive bar, Sean. A dive, you know, that's why you're listening to this podcast, listeners, is for insight like that. That I did not. My God, he's in a dive bar. It all makes sense now. Tying it back to the brine, tying it back to the setting. That is beauty. Well, we we, yeah, we we are we are, uh, in sync in that we <laughs> do both kind of see him as being in this bar, like this speaker is. T- <laughs> 
as this narrator is talking to us and, and telling us all of all of these events and all of these really just kind of stream of consciousness nonsense phrases uh, he's also <laughs> talking to the bartender and and we're we're definitely uh we're definitely uh getting the same reading out of that yes yep and then he goes right back to plucking or at least singing about plucking um then we get to the final verse and i think that this is interesting for a couple reasons um one this verse is not on the official website which i know is wrong that is one that i can take to court and prove is incorrect uh is that there is a fourth verse to this song what else is interesting about this verse you may ask this verse the the vocal tone of nick changes completely from the rest of the song and becomes very tinny almost as if in a recording Mm-hmm. Did you did you notice that, Andrew? Absolutely, yeah. And so what this does and what I think really ties in with the Yorkshire Ripper here contributing <laughs> lyrics, up to this point, it sounds like a drunk who is just kind of, you know, pissed off at whatever female figure he has in his life who he feels is nagging him. Um, and in this final verse, I think describes and admits to actually harming this person, perhaps killing them. So it, it begins with, Welcome the solitary flyer. See it land on the rim of my glass. It's going around and around and around. Look, I just don't have the heart to hurt a fly. I grabbed it into my paw, snatched it up, and then I held it to my ear and I could hear it scream, could hear it scream and scream and scream until it screamed not. And... Listening to it now, I can't see that in any other way than him, you know, sitting wherever he sits day to day, drinking, and, you know, this this person comes up and, and starts nagging, and he finally snaps. He grabs him, and he, he pulls him close, he, he grips him in his paw, and he strangles the fucking life out of him. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I you can read that as just his confession to the, yeah, to the bartender, or you could read it as, like, you know, maybe he... To, to play off that um peter sutcliffe you know yorkshire <laughs> ripper kind of angle it could be him like in court on a tape recording you know with his uh you know with that tinny sound of the voice could be like it's being on a you know recorded for uh for legal purposes oh. i just spitballing but um no i love that it is weird that that stuff's not on the official um site and i wonder if perhaps you know cave was more interested in preserving the ambiguity of the original song um because they just have an ad infinitum uh ad infinitum in place hmm. of these lyrics on the the website so clearly they knew there was more whoever transcribed it or if nick did it himself i'm not sure um but but that is interesting yeah no it's it's God, that Peter Sutcliffe thing really adds a dark twist to this. But I love that. Listeners, we we just found... This is breaking news. Look, we forgot to look up who wrote these songs, and we had a crazy <laughs> revelation between St. Huck and this. So please, you know, just roll with it, and we're, you know, that's on us. We are reeling. We are reeling. We, yeah. If anybody has any uh, further insight about this, please write us. Uh, we we want to know what the deal is i mean i'm certainly gonna look into it more after this but um but please let us know yeah jesus christ 
I do love that idea of a courtroom tape recorder, though. Um, regardless, I think, you know, the fact that this final verse turns into a past tense, the everything else has been present, mm, um, mm-hmm. that this turns into a past tense recollection really does drive home the admission of guilt. And um, yeah, I think he's I think he's calling out to the bartender in the last line in here. When he says, hey, Joe, you know anything about that scream? <laughs> uh, talking about the scream of the fly, I it's just, it's really eerie. And it ends with this like thudding, like this, he's tapping his glass on the counter or something. <laughs> um, it feels like he lives near this bar and he's asking Joe if he heard anything that happened. Yeah, and <laughs> that's just, chilling. That's oh, so chilling. It's ominous. And I definitely, I, I definitely put more... Um, credence into that that talking to the bartender line obviously especially you know a joe um again the reference to hey joe um but yeah i i I think it feels i i don't know if that was necessarily his intent but man do i want to read it that way i it's yeah it's so good hey joe you know anything about that scream you didn't hear a scream by any chance did you did you you got any flies in this bar did you joe um yeah, that's that's wings off flies. Um, maybe not my. Okay, it's my least favorite song on the album. Probably it's your least favorite song. If we're discounting the, ah, uh, eh, maybe avalanche. I don't know. We'll get into that stuff. Later, what? But... <laughs> Killing okay. me. Okay. Well, we'll yeah, we'll definitely save that shit for a different episode. Then we'll save that shit for the wrap up episode. When we reveal a dark secret. <laughs> Yeah, I hate bad songs. I like good ones. Spooky. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I'm just... Um, want to get to the music? Yeah, let's 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 do it. Um, do you have any strong feelings about it? I I dig the music. I think more than I don't know. Oh, you've set me all all rotten on this. I I actually really like this song. I'll just say that. And uh, I think I think the music is a little more um what i'm drawn to in this song than the lyrics so i do i do appreciate it and and we're grading on a curve here you know we both like this album a a fair bit um i mean i i love this album for sure i just um the lyrics are just sort of a stream of consciousness um by the end he he's practically rambling but the music has this sort of like a lot of songs on the album it's very repetitious um, especially when he really hits the she loves me, she loves me nots. Um, it begins with just a sim- single kind of like thumping noise. And yep. it doesn't sound like a drum. It just sounds like someone's hitting something. And th- there's really nothing else at the beginning until the bass comes in. And, and it will eventually carry the song. Um, there's some of the bluesy kind of slidey guitar um, which we'll see a lot of um, on the next yeah. album. Yep. And uh, just kind of the odd, you know, drum hit, cymbal hit, um, just kind of form around him. And it's very ramshackle. It's it's about to fall apart, and the bass kind of keeps the rhythm uh, and the momentum of the song. And it just feels to me like it's sort of a, a background for this sort of, yeah, rambling stream of consciousness um, from most likely a killer yeah no it feels it feels very backwards to me it feels like it's happening in ramshackle clapboard shacks you know i know nick is partial to clapboard shacks and so i like (laughs) using that that phrase as much as i can but you know that that 
hit that the, the song starts with is feels like someone hitting wood and then at the end it ends with the same thing you know the the last noise we hear is that same sort of clapping on the clapping on the wood um keeps it sparse and in the stream of consciousness i think when the emotion of the song or when the when the speaker is getting to a point where perhaps he can't handle what he's feeling or what he's saying and has to you know crash back down into this ambivalent nihilism um we get these these wicked snare hits and these crescendos and then these crashes and it just keeps happening over and over and over again um yeah. it adds yeah to the to the sparseness of the setting and just the bizarre the the uncomfortableness of listening to this person i can only imagine <laughs> what the what the barkeep would be thinking at this point <laughs> he keeps buying a he keeps buying booze dude he keeps fucking serving him stop just <laughs> quit it the dude's <laughs> stop well, the city's uh twisting and crippling and cracking and we got to make a a green <laughs> every now and then right that's fair that is fair huck just went by outside and his bartender's <laughs> just got to make a buck um one thing we also get in this song that will appear again in you know l- the later days in a much I'll say less appealing to me where uh, is the multi cave where it's, it's a lot of him coming in on top of himself. Uh, lyrically, he, you know, has a lot of layered tracks. Um, mm-hmm. And that just, again, highlights the madness highlights the, you know, the multiple uh, narratives inside this person's head, the, the disorganization of the narrator, the unreliability of the narrator. We hear a lot of, that throughout um a lot of the vocal ticks and a lot of the howling and a lot of the um constant almost it, it sounds like a drunkard it sounds like someone going blah 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 <laughs> um layered on top of one another i think it's super appealing musically but um really makes it more uncomfortable to listen to than it would be if it was just kind of a straight ahead uh vocal track yeah. and we get, I think, for the second time on the album, I'm, I'm not sure it happens elsewhere, uh, the, the backing vocals from the band um, coming in pretty straight ahead. When it when we hear yeah. the Wings Off Flies in the chorus, we get the rest of the band coming in and giving us that uh, descending Wings Off Flies. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very, um, it's something that would become more and more a part of um, the group. Uh, dynamic but yeah i think yeah. well and misery in this one are really the ones where you know they kind of get to add that in and and it's always a winner for me absolutely Ooh, one last thing i think this is the last thing for me um and this one's this one's super obvious but i, I still love it um the flies the s in flies is used throughout to uh turn into the buzzing of flies oh yeah yeah beautiful stuff. it's just it's so simple and you you immediately recognize what he's doing but it just yeah it's easy to to gloss over that but yeah he's he's playing with language he's playing with his words and his his voice as an instrument well and it really works with the layered vocal tracks too it's because you get kind mm. of a swarm of flies you know it's it's yeah. five caves all ending at the different times on the s becoming these flies you get you get a great sense of flies <laughs> good a great sense of the idea of flies in this they're song. everywhere they're buzzing around sean andrew 
it was great talking with you about Nick Cave and the Bad Seats tonight in this today's lesson after dark. Ooh, this was quite the sultry episode. This was uh, something we might have to do again coming up here. I don't want to leave the kids at home on this episode. Watch out. It's explicit. Sean, where can the listeners find us on the internet? Yes. So, uh, listeners, you can you can find us nearly anywhere that podcasts are found. Um, you're already actually. I'm going to take that again because they're already listening to the podcast. I don't know why I threw that in there. Because <laughs> it's nine fifty, and we're drinking. <laughs> You can find us wherever the fuck you want, you stupid fuck. <laughs> well, listeners, you can always find us on Twitter at Today's Lesson Pod. Find us on Patreon if you feel what we're doing is uh, worthy of a little bit of value thrown our way at Patreon.com/slash Today's Lesson. You can email us at Today's Lesson Pod at gmail.com. And as always, please, please, please rate and review five stars. If it's not five stars, fuck yourself. Uh, but whoa, wherever whoa, you're whoa, listening, whoa, Sean. What? I totally agree with you. Thank you. Please continue. Thank you. Wherever you're listening, you put five stars down there, and you write a review that is glowing. You write a review that you, you write the review you'd write for your mother for this podcast, unless you hate your mother. In case, just avoid writing us a review. Uh, we we would appreciate just spreading the word even more than than kicking us money. To be honest, you know those kicking us those greenbacks is great, oh. but. Uh, just if you can spread the word and you know get more people listening, you know we're gonna we're gonna feel good. That's right. We're we're going for a, about it. <laughs> we're going for a post-capitalist feel here. What we're trying to get is listeners in the door. We don't give a shit about the money. What we care about is educating people on Nick Cave and getting people involved. Just as Mike or Richard or whoever the hell that was at the start of the episode got involved, having never listened to Nick Cave before. This podcast is for everybody out there, and so tell your friends, tell your tell your relatives, tell everybody that you know, Nick Cave is for the people. I want to put feet on the ground here. We want to get a, a grassroots kind of campaign, uh, if you will, um, to get people, you know, listening to Nick Cave and enjoying the lyrics, but also just, you know, we want to build a community of people that like uh, digging possibly too deep into, you know, <laughs> lyrics and uh, music that we love. Way too so. deep. Way too deep. He, if he ever tuned into one of these, he'd probably listen and just start shaking his head and turn it off. They, these boys have just <laughs> plumbed the depths and then some. What the they? fuck are they doing? <laughs> he'd be like, uh, from her to eternity, this, uh, this audio podcast is lasting for eternity. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is. And so thus we should wrap it up, I believe. I'm I always hate to go. Andrew. I'm Sean. And I, I hate to leave us, but it's that time. Bye. But well, okay. Bye. 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 See you in one pig's eye. <laughs> <laughs> bye, 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 bye.